look what the cat dragged in. It's been a few months, but we're back. Yeah, like, how many months has it been? I think the last episode we recorded was back late April when we were on the road to uh, Louisville. Oh, that's right. That's right. So. Things were kind of grim. Uh, yeah, and they, they got much better. Yes. Yeah, much better in, in that... Uh, yeah, COVID numbers only went down from there. They never went up. And <laughs> and absolutely uh, no conflict of any sort in any <laughs> realm of humanity occurred. And uh, all were in one, uh, one accord. Yeah, what dream but did, it, did you have that dream? But, but at least, at least no time to die already came out. <laughs> no? No? I... <laughs> Okay, uh, so all facetiousness aside, yes, guys, uh, at least for two more episodes, we're back. Uh, and we'll be uh, coming back for little mini-series instead of regular weekly podcasting, uh, at least for the time being. Um, we're going to finish out James Bond uh, with uh, Spectre after this week's Skyfall, and then we're going to be coming back after we've seen No Time to Die with our thoughts on that. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we're coming up on the release date of no time to die and to, to get you primed and, and ready for the last Daniel Craig, James Bond movie, unless he comes back in some sort of weird, uh, facility <laughs> that I don't foresee. Uh, this is, this is going to be his last James Bond movie, uh, come, uh, October. I think it comes out Wednesday night, October 6th. Uh, in the U.S. It actually came out tonight, uh, September 24th, I believe, in the U.K. Nice. I was about to say, do you think it'll actually come out this time? But I guess so if it was released in the so, U.K. So, movie theater numbers right now are are doing well enough that they're releasing most major motion pictures in theaters. Some services are releasing simultaneously on streaming services, and I appreciate those, but there are some movies that uh, a lot of blockbusters were designed to be seen on the big screen, and I get that, and I'm fully supportive of that. I'm, I'm absolutely going to try to go see uh, No Time to Die in theaters. It's going to be one of the few theater-going experiences that I'm willing to wear a mask for several hours. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited, uh, especially after rewatching Skyfall this week. Yeah. So out of all of the modern James Bond movies, it might be the one I watch the most. I will say this one completely kept my attention from the beginning to the end. I don't remember. I think the last one probably did too, but I think, I think the Daniel Craig ones consistently have. So, uh, that's just because he's got like cheese grater apps and <laughs> I mean, I, I understand. I get it. Uh, all, all joking aside, I know you're talking about from a plot standpoint yes. and not just Daniel Craig being eye candy. Um, I don't necessarily find him that attractive, personally. So, it's just my... I understand. <laughs> it would be okay if you did, but um, I... I really enjoy the Daniel Craig movies. If for nothing else, then they are great modern action thrillers. 
Um, yeah. A lot of the older James Bond movies are, um, I would say, between Honor Majesty's Secret Service and and Casino Royale. Everything in between those those two films really feels like kind of a second or third tier action movie. They're good. They're fun. Um, a lot of them are a lot of fun. But they never quite hit the level of the contemporary films around them. So, uh, uh, The Man with the Golden Gun comes out in 1974. That's the same year as The Godfather Part Two, as The Conversation, as uh, Dog Day Afternoon, and you're uh, you're talking about movies like The Spy Who Loved Me coming out against Star Wars. You've got <laughs> you've got Goldeneye coming out, and people are like, "Yay, it's a really good action movie!" But at the same time, you have Leon the Professional coming out, and you've got movies like uh, uh, and on uh, True Lies. You've got these big spy thrillers that, whether it's smaller or larger, they're doing it in a much better way. Yeah. And and the James Bond movies are kind of second and third string to these to these movies and the Daniel Craig movies have really come back into prominence. The one thing I would say that has kept them from being absolute A plus across the board is the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. Because Tom Cruise, whether you love him, hate him, think he's weird, think he's cool, whatever you think of them, he has produced those movies to be amazing blockbusters. Yeah. Uh, they're they're at the front end of most action movies. And where they keep getting bigger and bigger and crazier and crazier, the James Bond movies seem to be getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a good thing. I actually really like that, especially reading the, the James Bond novels. But watching this one today was a treat. Um, I really like Sam Mendes' uh, performances i won't say i always love his movies um there are very few movies i hate who is he in that sam mendes is the director oh so i'm sure you see him in a frame as an extra gotcha but he wasn't like a big part of it no he is not an actor never mind sorry people sam mendes (laughs) is a director uh he is kate winslet's ex-husband Um, and phenomenal, phenomenal British director. Um, and he's directed some of my favorite action dramas, uh, including two James Bond films, uh, Skyfall this week and uh, next week Spectre. But he also directed the 2002 movie Road to Perdition, which is the very first thing I remember seeing Daniel Craig in. Um, he's actually the villain in that movie. Yeah. Um, I absolutely despise uh, American Beauty um, even though it has an amazing music score by the uh, Thomas Newman who also did the score for Skyfall uh, he's done a ton of other dramatic work that's been lauded critically but I I, w- I would like to see what else Sam Mendes can do outside the box I've seen some of his, his dramas and they're extremely well acted really dark um but really well acted um and i've seen i've seen the james bond films 1917 has rave reviews and i still haven't seen it um but 
No. The direction that he pulls off in this film, and to a lesser level, and we'll talk about it next week when we go over Spectre, um, he, he finds a way to make this absolutely silly character and silly set of circumstances work and have some weight while not leaning all the way into realism. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Casino Royale, uh, I would say up until the last 20 minutes of that movie, the premise is relatively grounded and, and it's, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, the moment where they go to Venice and Vesper betrays Bond and it becomes an Alfred Hitchcock movie, it kind of changes tone and becomes more fantastical. Mm-hmm. And outside of that bit, the rest of the movie is very is is very grounded. It's very realistic. You could see this James Bond being a real person. Yeah. Uh, Quantum of Solace is a straight up action movie, and it's fantastic. Uh, I love it. I know a lot of people who are James Bond fans who don't. Uh, but I, I think that movie, especially written under uh, time constraints and the constraints of uh, the script was only like half to two-thirds done, and so uh, the director and Daniel Craig are having to come up with dialogue and, and choices for where the script's going to go on the fly because a writer strike's going on. And, and they pull off a, a really fun action movie. It, it's nowhere near as good as Casino Royale, and I will never argue that. Mm-hmm. But it is a it is a fun, enjoyable romp, and it is one of the shortest James Bond movies. And so that movie comes out in 2008, and because it's not as, in quotes, good as Casino Royale, people brush it off. And they go, well, knew it was too good to be true. <laughs> and it gets just blasted, critically. And so the James Bond franchise sits for four years. Now, before Casino Royale, the Bond franchise had done the same thing. It had taken time off. And, and so people were like, okay, what are they doing? Uh, Quantum of Solace wasn't that big a misstep. What's happening? And it turns out what was going on was they were retooling and they were figuring out. And coming out of the writer's strike, they wanted to make sure that all of the points specifically for Casino Royale were were buttoned up. Uh, writing. Writing had to be top-notch. And if you if you think back on, on Skyfall we watched tonight, the dialogue is easily one of the strongest parts of the movie. Uh, between uh, Purvis and Wade, who've been writing movies, uh, writing Bond movies since uh, the world is not enough, uh, and John Logan, uh, you get these really clever dialogue scenes that play out almost like a like a, a stage play uh, that was transposed onto an action movie, and it it really comes across as it's it's extremely hyped. The, the whole movie is much more fantastical than the first two Daniel Craig Bond movies. And it somehow pulls off this weird hybrid of, hey, you remember that really grounded James Bond movie we released back in 2006? Cool. All right. Now, remember that Roger Moore uh, went to space. 
okay, we're not going to go that crazy, <laughs> but we're going to go pretty crazy. And they make this movie. Uh, it comes out in 2012, 50th anniversary of James Bond. And it is, I think, Spectre might have knocked it down, but uh, especially to that point, it was adjusted for inflation the highest grossing James Bond film. Mm -hmm. It made like a billion dollars. Wow. No Bond movie has ever touched that. Mm -hmm. um, and there are expectations, there were expectations before COVID hit that uh, No Time to Die would break break that. Yeah. Uh, pardon me. Uh, we just ate. Uh, we actually had a short debate before recording whether we would record or not. <laughs> and I won. So, uh, watching, watching this movie today and the... All the love and care that went into this movie and the last major Bond movie that came out on a, on a 10 year anniversary was uh, Die Another Day. And it was, well, it was bad. Uh, we'll, we'll just say it. It was bad. There, there were ice palaces and, and sun lasers and Halle Berry did some of the worst acting of her career. And uh, it's a fun watch. I highly recommend you watch it. It's not a good movie, uh, but I highly recommend you watch it just because it's so bonkers. But everything in that movie felt like the worst parts of, of Marvel movies where you've got Easter eggs and cameos and, and that's what the whole movie became. It became one big Easter egg. And sadly, everything connecting all the Easter eggs wasn't great. It, it wasn't really good. Well, now you've got 10 years later, okay, 50th anniversary. And they somehow make a movie that has A-plus quality stars. You've got Daniel Craig, who I'm going to say right now, as far as action movie actors, pound for pound, might be the best starring actor in action cinema right now. Um, he's fantastic at it. Um, I don't know what Daniel Craig is doing after Bond, I hope it's awesome. I hope it's great. I I love the Knives Out, uh, the first Knives Out. They're coming out with the the sequel to it, uh, I believe, next year. And I love Daniel Craig in that. I can't wait to see it. Um, he's a phenomenal actor. Uh, eventually, I pray they give him the Oscar he deserves. Yeah. Because because he he deserves one when I watch him as James Bond he falls into that role in such a way that I believe him I've seen this movie probably a dozen times and I'm gonna for those of you who haven't seen the movie full spoilers are ahead but uh <laughs> At the end of this movie, Judy Dench's M dies. And I have known that since the very first time I've yeah. seen this movie. And I still get choked up watching Daniel Craig react in that scene because he is broken. Yeah. And it is such a great performance that he gives so much 
gravitas to and so much so much humanity in that moment for a character that is supposed to be near heartless yeah that you buy in and yeah and it it sells the movie and uh and to say he's great in the movie i i want to take a step back and also say everyone surrounding him is fantastic like there are extras in this movie that are actually doing really good extras work um, Judy Dench wraps up her tenure as M with a powerful performance. She is a woman who has done bad things in the name of, of government security and she knows it and she has to keep a stiff upper lip in public but as soon as she's behind closed doors she looks absolutely defeated and yeah. looks like like someone who has sent many people off to die and knows that that was a bad thing. Yeah. Um, Ray Fine uh, introduced in this as uh, as Mallory, who spoilers again becomes the new M, is great. He has to come into this movie and he has to be an- semi antagonistic to M and Bond while not being a bad guy. Right. He has to be a good guy. And so he comes into this movie and he he sets such a good tone between humor and responsibility that I love it. I love Ray Fine in anything he's done, whether it's uh, in Schindler's List where he is horrifying as uh, the Nazi commander uh, or it's uh, in what I call his sister piece uh, where he plays the pharaoh in Prince of Egypt <laughs> uh, similar roles uh, enslaved uh, Jews under under him yeah. uh, or whether it's in a bit part in the Hurt Locker where he's playing a British SAS officer he's just a great actor then Rory Kinnear uh, who was Tanner in Quantum of Solace comes back does an amazing job as Tanner, a, a character who in a lesser action movie would have been the first agent to die just because <laughs> he was a named character in the last movie. Yeah. And he's he's great. He gives he makes the world believable. Ben Wishaw comes in as uh, the new Q. Uh, and first of all, I love Ben Wishaw's voice. Um, it is to my ears the way whiskey is to my throat. It's just smooth. It's, <laughs> it's, it's soft, mildly intoxicating. It's just, it's, you know, it's, he's no Morgan Freeman, but he's, he's close. He's, um, and then, uh, wrapping it all up is Naomi Harris as Eve. And once again, full spoilers at the end of the movie revealed to be Eve Moneypenny. And uh, she goes toe-to-toe with Daniel Craig, scene after scene after scene, starting at the very beginning of the movie, running all the way to the end. Uh, They have amazing chemistry. Uh, Chemistry not seen uh, since uh, both Connery and Moore uh, were with Lois Maxwell. Just is a great foil for James Bond. Mm -hmm. In a way where they're both sexually attracted to each other. They're both into each other. 
they've got a will they won't they did they didn't they type relationship very flirtatious and every scene is filled with tension between them and it's perfect the worst thing they could possibly do is pair them up romantically and remove that tension yeah um uh top to bottom this movie is fantastic uh we're gonna take a short break to get some water uh and when we come back we're gonna go over the plot talk about what we loved talk about anything we didn't love and wrap up before we uh come back next week for uh the last of stuff we're watching at home before no time to die That's the sound that Betsy made when she realized what she did to get the scratch on her finger. Yeah. She she's figuring out, oh, so maybe it's when I picked up the Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, my finger started hurting, I couldn't figure out why. Yeah. <laughs> like now it hurts really bad. Yeah, oh yeah, foghorn. Oh and I can't I can't do it on demand because I didn't do it on purpose. I know, time. I'll catch it eventually on <laughs> I'll catch it in a recording, and I will turn it into a soundbite that we'll put into like every every 2022 Chevy coming out. As you're going through traffic, somebody cuts you off. Oh yeah, and it just traffic clears in front of you. Parting uh, of the Red Sea. Yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> I almost snorted. It's okay. People enjoy that too. Okay, so uh, back to Skyfall. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, this movie is really great. Uh, it plays out like, uh, I've said it before for some of the other Bond movies being greatest hits where they pull bits and pieces from the best James Bond movies. I think this one is, is the best execution of that. Um, I feel like Spy Who Loved Me was probably the last one that did it this well. And... It did it with a lot of limitations, whereas uh, Skyfall, it cleans a lot of it up and works really, really well. So the movie starts in Istanbul. Instead of getting a gun barrel sequence, we get an out-of-focus hallway, uh, and Daniel Craig comes into focus uh, holding up a gun, entering the scene. Uh, It starts with a trumpet blast, and it's perfect it's mm-hmm. it's a great entryway uh didn't mention this earlier uh, another thing that even if you're not a huge james bond fan if you haven't seen this movie i highly recommend you watch it if you like anything in regards to uh, shot composition or filmmaking roger deakins uh was cinematographer for the for this film and almost every frame is a painting it is beautifully shot it is gorgeous um from the first shot to the last shot it's just so well composed i just can't nerd out about it enough um but bond enters the scene comes in safe house has been ransacked bunch of agents dead agent ronson is bleeding out on a couch bond walks over uh goes to stop the bleeding 
M's in his ear yelling at him about a about a hard drive missing. He's like, yeah, it's not here. Picks up the laptop. She's like, are you sure? He picks it up, looks it over. Yeah, it's it's the IT guy in your ear saying, did you try uh, plugging it in or turning it off and on again? Yeah. And he's like, uh, he picks it up, shakes it. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, M is shouting in his ear. He's got to go after this hard drive. And he leaves an agent to die. And right off the bat, uh, Judy Dench as M in this movie is a lot colder than she's been in past movies. In past films, they've talked about how cold M is, but she's always very maternal. It, it goes, her actions in previous movies don't seem that cold. They seem professional. They don't seem that cold. In this movie, she is cold. She, she tells Bond, uh, go after the hard drive. I don't care if that guy bleeds out. Go after the hard drive. Mm. And later, after she's confronted with the death of uh, Ronson, uh, she goes, it was one versus many. I. It was easy odds to call. And while true, very, very cold. Uh, so, back to the movie. Bond hits to the streets. We get our very first chase scene in the opening two minutes of yeah. the movie. Uh, he's picked up by Eve, who we know, having seen the whole movie, is Eve Moneypenny. Uh, in some of our earliest product placement, driving a Land Rover. Uh, we get a really awesome uh, chase through the streets. Uh, the bad guy they're chasing, his name is Patrice. Um and I'm sure that in French, it's a lot more intimidating than it is in American <laughs> English. Anyhow, uh, uh, we get a really cool chase scene, gun battle. Uh, they end up going through the streets of Istanbul uh, and eventually up on top of the Grand Market, uh, driving these motorbikes on like these brick pathways that can't be more than 18 inches, two feet wide with these motorbikes just going across the roofs great great chasing really good effects worth uh, a good blend of stuntmen and cgi and yeah. it, it's really well composited uh it's like could somebody really ride across the roofs like that in they, they did they really did that when you get the distance shots and they're going across the roofs those are actually stuntmen dr driving driving across, across there uh, they're wearing masks of the performers yeah. that they're stuntmen for. But, yes, they're actually going across there. Now, did they do the whole length of it? Probably not. <laughs> that would probably be dumb and probably illegal in Istanbul. Yeah. But, uh, yes, short answer, the, the stunt was done. Was it done as long as it looks like it was? No. Was it done as extreme as it looked? Probably not. But, yeah, they actually drove on those thin paths. Yeah. Always, always respect stunt people. Uh, and uh, Oscars, if you're listening, um, I'd like my SAG card uh, and benefits. And also, uh, <laughs> please, uh, you know, probably more important, uh, make an Oscar for stuntmen. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, eventually, the train... Uh, the chase leads to a train uh bond follows patrice onto the train eve Moneypenny is chasing behind in the land rover uh they're fighting on top of the train we get some really really good stunt work 
uh, and really cool James Bond moments. I'm not going to try to beat for beat, cool thing for cool thing, tell you what happened, other than at some point an earth mover is used to tear out the back of a train. And as soon as uh, Daniel Craig makes his entrance, he does a very Bond-like straightening of the cufflinks. Um, all of this leads to the climactic part of the chase. Uh, Eve has run out of road. She has uh, the train in her sights with a rifle. Bond and Patrice are fighting on top of the train. Again, M, in a very cold way, is like, uh, is there any other way to, to get ahead of him? Eve goes, no. She goes, okay, take the shot. Eve takes the shot, shoots Bond off of the top of the train and into the water below. Patrice gets away. This is the opening cold, uh, this is the cold open of the movie. Um, when he falls into that water, it doesn't look like there's any way anybody could survive it, not even James Bond. So, I've seen enough James Bond movies to know that unless they cut that man's head off, he's <laughs> he's going to survive. Um, yeah, and all of this leads into uh, what I'm going to call the best James Bond theme song ever. <laughs> uh, Skyfall by Adele is awesome. Uh, stop listening to me in just a moment. Uh, as soon as I finish uh, gushing about this song and go go to your nearest streaming service and listen to Skyfall by Adele uh, and then come back. I'll wait. Wasn't that awesome? Don't you want to listen to it like 10 more times? That was really cool, wasn't it? And if you didn't like it, I'm sorry that you don't have good taste. You just got that voice like butter. It's so like... Yeah, it's it's no Ben Wishaw, but it's 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 a great. I don't know voice. who that is. Q. Oh. <laughs> Literally talked about Sorry. it five minutes ago. I forgot the name already. It's okay. Uh, that's why watching movies with you is fun, is because it's always a new experience. Yeah, I mean, I know I've watched this one before, but I didn't remember anything that happened in it whatsoever. Yeah. So. Uh, we get a really cool opening title sequence with the song Skyfall, which is great. Um, and where I might recommend to a lot of folks, if you're not really into music video technique and cinematography, to just skip over a lot of the Bond uh, opening stuff, there is actually some plot that plays out in the opening credits. Uh, during the opening credits, uh, they actually give away the big plot twist of the film in that when Judy Dench's uh, name comes up on the screen, it is as they are going over a grave. Um, in that same uh, series of opening sequence, you see a man being tortured with a bag over his head. That is Silva, uh, the main villain of the film, Javier Bardem. How did I not mention him before? <laughs> Bardem is amazing as the villain in this. He is, he is simultaneously charming and creepy the whole mm -hmm. way around. He is the anti-James Bond in a way that they've tried before with other characters. He's like a hybrid um, Sean Bean as Alec Trevelyan and Goldeneye and uh, uh, Christopher Walken as uh, no, Max Shrek is his character in Batman Returns. Uh, <laughs> Zorin. Max Zorin in uh in a view to a kill, he's he's weird without 
pulling you out of the film. It's it's the right kind of weird for this movie. So we get out of this awesome title sequence and we come back to find out that M is doing her stuff. She's keeping the world turning. And as the world turns, uh, she is being investigated for losing all of the names on the hard drive of all these agents who will be compromised. Now, if this plot point sounds familiar, uh, it might be because it is roughly the same MacGuffin from the very first Mission Impossible film. Uh, now, why does the CIA or MI6 or anyone keep a list of non-official uh, commissioned officers uh, or a knock list? Um, and I totally butchered that uh, anagram, and I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it's the same. It's Most people wouldn't keep a list of the officer and their alias in, in a place that was remotely compromisable. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this is one of the parts of the movie that's like, okay, I might've find it. I might've found a different, uh, MacGuffin to go <laughs> after. Um, mainly because it was on a laptop. Yeah. <laughs> Istanbul. Um, <laughs> not the most stable part of the world. Um, but the MacGuffin is the MacGuffin. Um, and, and this is a this is a Mark Burdett piece of medicine I will offer up to any film goer uh, who is not going with a critical eye. Drop all cynicism at the gates when you go to a James Bond film <laughs> and understand that MacGuffins are meant just to get you to the next thing. They are not meant to carry the whole movie. Yeah. Um, anyhow, back to the uh, I will take a lot of side trails because I enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, M gets a cryptic note on her email uh, and they find out that all the information is being accessed from her computer at MI6 headquarters. Then MI6 headquarters is destroyed, blown up. Um, which is really sad because just like, let's see here, world is not enough, die another day, casino room. So just four movies ago, uh, MI6 was blown up as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that poor building cannot catch a break. Uh, meanwhile, uh, James Bond is living in the lap of luxury uh, on an island somewhere, uh, having, uh, having carnal knowledge of the local, <laughs> uh, local ladies. And... Uh, and spending his nights at bars where he apparently does this really cool game where you drink whiskey while a scorpion rides on your hand. Um, yeah, I'm like, is it the point of that to, like, everyone who's betting is betting the, the scorpion's going to sting him while he's so, drinking? So, the rules are not clearly <laughs> defined. Right. There's a deleted scene where they spend 26 minutes explaining the rules. Like, every, <laughs> like, the opening I don't know, first round of Settlers of Catan, where your jerk friend tells you every single stinking rule. <laughs> it's, no, you, it, there's a scorpion on your hand, you drink or you get stung. Those are the rules. Yeah. It, there's, if there are actual rules to this game, 
I don't want to know. It makes <laughs> it less interesting. The more I think about it, the less interesting it is. Yeah. It's it's the classic James Bond thing of I have to drink alcohol in a creative way. <laughs> uh and at the same time there has to be a bit of, of danger. Uh, the fact that they weren't playing Russian roulette with whiskey uh, kind of surprises me. Um, anyhow, the next day, Bond has apparently slept at this bar uh, and is really good friends with the bartender because he just flashes a dollar bill at him and grabs a big old bottle. Yeah. But uh, uh, Wolf Blitzer in yet another one of his uh, myriad of appearances as CNN anchor and actor um, pops up to describe that MI6 has been hit. Um, Wolf Blitzer is also in Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, and I'm pretty sure that he's in Batman v Superman. So if a CNN anchor is going to be in a movie, it'll be Wolf Blitzer. Um, also, coolest animal name for a news reporter. <laughs> Wolf Blitzer? Yes. Yeah. Uh, not quite as cool as Bear McCreary, but pretty close. <laughs> Anyhow. James Bond decides to go back, surprises M at her apartment, uh, and it's at this point watching the movie that I realized that Daniel Craig looks old as crap in this movie. <laughs> um, if you watch uh, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, he looks fit and young and like a, a, a guy who just stepped out of a fashion magazine. And this, even when he cleans up, he looks beat down and burn out and it's kind of intentional for this movie but also uh i've done some reading lately and apparently uh daniel craig has gone on the record as saying that he was not prepared for the fame that came with becoming james bond and he very much resented it and uh Hugh Jackman of all people kind of came alongside him and talked him through it and helped him appreciate it and and deal with it and cope with it because uh, Hugh Jackman went through something similar becoming Wolverine. Oh, okay. And so he he took up a friendship and just he helped him out. Uh, that was just a fun fact uh, I yeah. saw the other day and thought I'd pass along. But uh. As this movie goes on, uh, Bond gets pulled back into this circle that he'd left. And um, you're not sure through, I would say, the middle, middle, I'd say half to two thirds of the movie, whether Bond wants to be back or not. Um, you can tell that there's some semblance of duty or, or responsibility that's pulled him back in. Uh, maybe it's unfinished business because the guy got away that he was trying to catch. You don't know how much of it's personal, professional, whatnot. And um, this movie almost, I would say at the same level as Casino Royale, does a really good job of showing Bond is being damaged. Um, so after he comes back, reveals himself to M, M says, all right, here's the deal. Uh, you got to come in, you got to be evaluated, uh, and we've got we've to cycle you up so that you can do anything because you're not going anywhere unofficial, um, which is great because the past two movies, he's gone off unofficial. <laughs> um, so Bond uh, comes back in, 
goes to the new MI6, which is being held in the London Underground, and it's a really cool set, and I'm sure it was a lot easier to control. Um, but as he goes through his physical evaluation and his psychological evaluation, he, he does a really good job of playing this up, but he always... It's this really great performance where he's he's acting as Daniel Craig, but Bond is also acting. Yeah. And so Bond is keeping it together. And and at one point, uh, Rory Kinnear as Tanner is is having a walk and talk as as Bond's going through his physical exercises, and and Bond's just not keeping up. And he goes, "You want to do this later?" And he goes, "Yeah." And Tanner walks away and the evaluators walk away and he just collapses from the pull-up bar and he's just heaving. Yeah. And it's it's this it's the classic British stiff upper lip. And the very next scene is they're at the firing range and he has classic two-hand grip up to, to fire the gun and he misses a silhouette target. And he kind of looks back at the evaluator, kind of sneers like, huh, uh, yeah, anyone can miss the first one. And he does the classic one-handed James Bond aim, and he misses again, and his hand's shaking. Yeah. And then he does this almost psychotic strut up to the target where he just empties the clip into it. And then looks back at the evaluator like, now what? <laughs> and... It's this false bravado that Bond's carrying, and he's just, he's trying to get back in for, whether it's he's got something to prove to MI6 or to himself, he's just, he's broken. And uh, a moment later, he goes for a psyche vow, and they run through this really great, the scene is written so well. A word association scene is, is great especially if you've got the right tempo. Yeah. Um, and, and the guy they've got as the evaluator, I've only seen him that I can recall. And one other thing, it was the man who knew too little in, uh, in a more comedic role. Uh-huh. But he does a great job as he's like, all right, I'll set the tone. And he goes, I'll say a word like, uh, and you'll tell me what uh, the first thing that comes to mind. I'll say something like day, and then Bond goes wasted. Yeah. And he runs through it, and it's this... You can tell in this moment, Bond is trying to have fun and just stick it to stick it to the government people, especially him. And at one point, uh, he, he's going through doing the word association. He's like, murder, and he's like, employment. He says, M, and Bond just smirks as he says, bitch. And he just, he spits it and he glances at the mirror and he's, it, it's that very childish thing of like, yeah, you, I know you're back there. I know you're back there. And he's just, it's so spiteful. And it's this resentment of, he knows M called the shot to, yeah. to have him shot. He knows that, that Ronson died because of M's call. And he's just, He's angry, he's burnt out, and he's back here not to please him, but to but to complete the job and and at the same time, all of it finally the the evaluator says, Alright, Skyfall. And all composure 
drains out of Bond's face. And the guy looks at him and goes, Skyfall. And Bond goes, done. And just gets up and marches off. Mm-hmm. And all of this in a traditional action movie, it would be the moment before the boss asked for the badge and gun. And he goes off and deals with it in his own way because he's macho and he doesn't need the authority to help him. And, and Bond is... He's just messed up through this whole movie. And uh, in this moment, he... He goes in and he, he thinks he's he's passed. He's got this 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 bravado and, and goes in and Mallory comes in and is like, uh, hey, um, M, he it's okay. You can tell him no. You can you cannot send him out to the field. It's pretty obvious he's not ready. So maybe you should not send him into the field because he's not ready. And we're rooting against Mallory because we love James Bond and we want to see him do really cool James Bond stuff. And objectively, Bond should not be in the field. He should be in deep counseling for a while. Right. But instead, M goes, no, he's ready. He's going out to the field. And as Bond walks away to go off to the mission... Tanner comes up and he goes, wow, he passed. And M goes, no, he failed. Just to make it very clear to the audience, no, Bond is not okay. He didn't do great. His his unconventional way did not work. He is in a very bad way. Uh, And that leads really well into the next part of the film, which we will talk about in just a moment. So, Bond has failed every possible test that he could possibly take, uh, and now he is off to the Quartermaster, and so he heads off to a very lovely art museum that I would probably pay way too much money to go and sit in for hours at a time. Uh, Love, love, love museums. Especially now that I'm older and realize that I can take my time and don't have to hurry through them like it's a marathon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I actually appreciate the ones where I don't feel like I have to. Um, So, uh, it's here that we meet Ben Wishaw's Hugh, and he has a really great introduction uh, in this film. So, since Die Another Day, up to this point, there's been no Money Penny, there's been no Q. Um, a lot of the old James Bondisms kind of died away uh, after the Pierce Brosnan era, and this movie is starting to bring those back. And and Ben Wishaw's Q is obviously updated for the 21st century. He's very tech-savvy. He's very computer-savvy. And even tells Bond about it up front. He's like, look, uh, you're kind of dumb. And I could probably do more good on my computer before breakfast than you'll do in this entire trip. Uh, So uh, I'm going to make sure you don't mess it up. So uh, Q hands Bond his first real gadget of the Daniel Craig era. Uh, He hands him 
uh, a palm print gun, a gun that won't fire for anyone else, which is cool. Awesome idea. Yeah. Uh, and he hands him uh, a radio. And Bond's looking at it, and he's like, that it? And Q makes a really cute joke about, what did you expect? An exploding pen? We don't do that anymore. <laughs> Um, I thought that was funny. I like that, especially yeah. considering that just a few mo- movies ago, they used an exploding pen. Yeah. Way back in Goldeneye. Uh, and so this movie tells you right up front, as far as technology goes for Bond, it's going to be pretty straightforward. We're not going to have a ton of gadgetry. We're going to have gadgetry, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this is... This is a movie where it's going to be more about uh, brute strength and even a little intrigue. It's what made the first two Daniel Craig movies work above pretty much anything else. So, Bond is off to Shanghai, tracking down Patrice. And he goes, he knows that he is quote-unquote on business, and so Bond arrives ahead of time, uh, tracks Patrice from the airport. Uh, I really like Bond undercover. It's one of the few times you see Daniel Craig in a hat and he's wearing a little uh, little chauffeur's cap and sunglasses. Uh, trails Patrice to a business where Patrice is very sloppy, just killing everybody. Uh, he obviously has never played Deus Ex and uh, done a pacifist run where he uh, does the non-lethal way. That's a little video game Easter egg for those of you who play video games. <laughs> and the rest of you are now on Wikipedia trying to figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so uh, Bond tracks down Patrice. Uh, again, Roger Deakins is doing amazing cinematography through all of this. Uh, we get into a building that I'm trying to figure out in real life how practical it would be. It's just all glass walls and windows. Um <laughs> Uh, and against the neon backlit sky of Shanghai, it just, it makes for a really awesome scene, uh, a really awesome fight scene as well. Uh, Bond and Patrice fight. Uh, Patrice is knocked out of the window. Bond has a, a hold of him, is trying to interrogate him. Patrice falls to his death. In the meantime, across the way where Patrice's victim was killed, uh, a woman who apparently set the whole scene up watches calmly and then walks away is not bothered by the fact that a man was murdered right in front of her and then she watched another man thrown from a building um bond goes through patrice's things finds a uh, poker chip to a casino in macau and all through this movie by the way whether it's istanbul london shanghai macau i'm like Man, I want the world to open back up again. <laughs> really, really, really want this whole COVID thing to go away. So, yeah. uh, if there's anything you or anyone you know, uh, well, don't bother people you know. Take care of yourself and uh, and the people you're responsible for. Uh, but if you can do anything to mitigate COVID so that we can get to traveling again, uh, do your part. And that's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Uh, anyhow, back to the movie. Uh, so... Bond knows next step is Macau. And like all great James Bond movies, this is a detective story. He is tracking piece by piece to get to the next step. So Bond 
uh, is on his way to Macau. Somewhere in here, uh, the order is not too terribly important. M gets, uh, M gets, uh, like, it looks like a spam advertisement on her desktop. She clicks on it and finds out that uh, the first five names from the list have been revealed. Uh, and so uh, during this process, she's called into Mallory's office and she's already been told that she is retiring, uh, which means you're being let go. So go along with us. Uh, and she's she's in trouble uh, for for losing the name. She's in trouble for this whole thing. She's going to be going before uh, several ministers uh, in regards to what she did. She's answerable for what she lost. So back in Macau, uh, Bond is settling in. Uh, Money Penny drops in, uh, and we get a really flirtatious scene between the two of them. Uh, she shaves him with a straight razor, uh, just his face. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he shaves everything else too, because I know very few people that are that hairless naturally. Um, but Bond confronts her. He's like, hey, uh, I got this information via communique. Why are you here? Are you here to spy on me for Mallory? And She's like, first of all, you think Mallory's a paper pusher? No, he's actually a guy who knows what he's doing. He's actually been on the front lines. Maybe you should give him a chance. And so Money Penny is going to unofficially act as Bond's backup as he goes to the casino in Macau. Uh, we get a really cool scene in the casino. Uh, it's set up kind of on two tiers. Uh, underneath is a Komodo dragon pit. Uh, and then this really wild casino and uh, as Bond enters the casino hands over the poker chip uh, he sees who's watching and he notices the woman from the night before is up on the staircase uh, I did not realize that was the same woman yep uh, eventually, okay. uh, eventually they meet he finds out that her name is Severin uh, she is uh the woman who ordered the hit on the man that she was in the room with, uh, but she is working for a larger shadow organization. Uh, Bond asks to speak to her employer, and she is visibly shaken. This actress, I can't remember her name. She has not been in a ton, uh, also not a ton that I've seen, but uh, she does a great job in this movie. She does a great job of Again, there are layers of performance in this movie where an actor is playing a role where the character is acting. And it's one thing to act. Acting is hard. Um, I've done just enough of it to know that it's hard. It is hard to pull off convincing emotion. It is hard to pull off... That's before you ever get to things like uh, framing movement, anything like that. Um, the lady playing Severin does such an amazing job of playing afraid. Um, and a lot of people, when they play afraid in a movie, they either don't convince you that they're scared or they overplay it to the point that it's like, okay, calm down. No one is that scared. 
Like, a snake could be latched onto you right now. You would not be reacting like that. Um, but she does a, a great job. He, he confronts her, says, Hey, I know you're not the boss of anything. Uh, he sees a tattoo on her arm uh, noted, uh, that marks her as Macau's uh, sex uh, trade. Um, says, Hey... Uh, whoever your boss is, he probably pulled you out. You probably even thought you loved him for a time, but not for some time now. Um, and she goes, okay, I'm going to be on this boat going over to meet him. They're coming to kill you. If you survive, that's where I'll be. Good night. And she leaves uh, the casino. Bond gets into a fight with a bunch of henchmen. We get a really cool fight where he, uh, he and a uh, one of the bigger henchmen fall into the Komodo dragon pit, only for that poor guy to get dragged away and presumably eaten by a Komodo yeah. dragon. Uh, and as he's uh, as Bond is getting out of the pit, about to get away, a gun is pulled on him, and Money Pony saves the day. Yep. Um, which almost makes up for the fact that she shot Bond in the chest. Uh, so... Uh, this is part of the movie I don't love. Uh, he gets on the boat with Severin, uh, and she's uh, in the shower, and he gets in the shower with her. It's kind of icky. Um, in a classic Bond movie, it totally makes sense, uh, just because that's kind of who he is. He's a sleazy womanizer. Makes sense in, in that old setting for Bond. In the new era, it feels a little weird. For, for Bond to do that. Um, she reciprocates the feeling so it's not quite as creepy, but the fact that he just identified that she's a sex slave kind of makes the power dynamic just a little, a little icky. Um, but we move quickly past that. Um, and the next day, they're on the boat headed to a deserted island. That is a real place, by the way. Um, I believe that the actual island, and I'm not sure how much of it was filmed on location, I believe at least the establishing shots are, are real. Um, but the real island, it was something where a mine shut down, and everybody just left. Um, it, I don't think it was anything catastrophic like the story in the movie where they thought that there was an illness or a, a nuclear reactor or anything like that. It was literally the mine shut down, everybody went... Well, I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, uh, having been to an old coal mining town uh, in West Virginia, it was a very similar scene where things just that used to be there are still there because no one's doing anything with them, but they're not in use. They're just run down. And so you have this scene in this deserted town, and it's eerie. The, the setting just, it's perfect. Uh, as Severin and Bond get off the ship, they're pulled apart. Bond is taken and strapped to a chair in a big computer server room. Uh, and we get an excellent walking monologue uh, by Javier Bardem as he gets off the elevator and walks up, more like sachets, up to Bond. Um, and I think Bardem's character is, is openly bisexual in this. Um, he comes on to Bond, uh, and then shortly after his monologue with Bond, uh, comes on to Severin, but, uh, 
Raul Silva, I believe is his assumed name. We find out later it's not his actual name, uh, is the villain of this movie. And he is ominous. He is eerie. He is silly. He is somehow all of that wrapped up into one which makes him even more unsettling. Uh, the first thing I remember seeing uh, Javier Bardem in was No Country for Old Men in 2007. Um, that is a fantastic movie. It is also bleak as I'll get out. Um, he is terrifying in that movie. I've seen horror movies with villains that are not as scary as he is. And uh, as Sugar in, in that movie. And uh, in this movie, it's an entirely different character. Uh, a lot more brightness, but it's, it's a... It's a facade. It's a, it's an unsettling facade. Yeah. And he basically confronts Bond with the truth. Uh, and the truth is, hey, I was a double O agent. M sent me to die. She sent you to die too. And he pulls up Bond's file and shows him, hey, you failed every test. M sent you to me to die. And he has this great monologue about rats on the island where he grew up and basically equates him and Bond to those rats. He's like, look, at the end of all of this, there were two rats left standing, and that's you and me. Now, we can either try to kill each other or we can work together and rule the island. And, and pretty quickly with Bond's evasive nature, Silva is able to read, nope, I knew I wasn't going to get through to him. Oh, well, it was worth a try. And you see this moment on Bardem's face when he's resigned to the fact that, oh, well, another double O I'm going to have to kill. And he takes Bond outside and sets up effectively a William Tell situation with uh, Severin where he puts a whiskey glass on her head and tells Bond, all right, first one of us to shoot the glass off of her head wins. Uh, you go first. And Bond shoots wide because he knows his shot isn't good. He he knows he failed that test. Yeah. Um, and Silva then shoots her dead. The glass falls off her head and he goes, well, looks like I win. And Bond uses that opportunity to grab a, grab the guy who had him at gunpoint and take down the rest of the team. Um, it's it's sad that they throw Severin away like that yeah. uh, as a character. Uh, it's it's an old trope to to the quote is fridge a woman to to further the plot. Um, it's from an old Green Lantern comic book where they literally murdered the main character's girlfriend and shoved her in a fridge just to create dramatic conflict. Um. It's nothing new for James Bond, sadly, but it they had an interesting character. I would have there is a different universe where that character survives this encounter and makes it through the rest of the movie as there's a lot of potential there they didn't use. And and that's I think that's my one sadness in this movie that I, I love is there's this one character that feel like could have been used more 
and, and, and more fulfillingly. But you can't. No use crying over spilt milk. We're going to continue with the movie. Um, and Silva is caught. Uh, Bond used the radio in his uh, in his pocket to get MI6 to come in, get Silva. And at this point, you're like, all right, the bad guy's caught. End of the movie, right? Well, <laughs> no, uh, not quite a Return of the King scenario, but this movie has a few endings. Uh, and we're going to get to those in just a moment. And they lived happily ever after. Or that's the way the movie would end if this was a shorter movie. Uh, at two hours and 20 odd minutes, uh, it's not quite done yet there's still about an hour left yeah uh so uh we get back to mi6 and uh this is where the movie for a lot of people starts looking a lot like the dark knight uh i see the comparisons i appreciate the comparisons and i throw them away um uh all similarities aside it's very different very different stories told very similarly. Uh, and I'm not just talking about those two movies, I'm talking about James Bond and Batman. They do a lot of the same things in each other's properties and it goes a lot further back than The Dark Knight and <laughs> Skyfall. Um, so, Silva's in his jail cell, a really cool jail cell that has technology that I want on my shower, uh, where you can get the fog glass to turn to clear glass and then back to fog glass. Yeah, push the button. Yep. And uh, we find out very quickly that Silva has wanted all of this so that he can see him one last time, he says. And so it's at this point that it's revealed that Silva was captured, he was tortured for months on end, and uh, eventually thinking that death was the only escape, he bit down into his cyanide capsule and it didn't kill him. He says, life held onto me like a disease. Um, and he takes out his facial implant and his, the bottom of his face just kind of collapses. And, uh, that was probably the most disturbing scene of the whole movie to me. And uh, I, I think if it weren't so clearly CGI, I think it might bother me more. Yeah. Um, but the concept of what was done to him physically is, is more like eerie. It, it's always thinking about it that that bothers me more than the thing itself. But. Uh, he has, he has, again, Bardem is great in this role of this damaged former agent who's out for revenge. His whole, his whole plot and all of this, it's not about the agents, their collateral damage. It is all about getting revenge on him. Yeah. And his goal in this movie is to torture and kill him. And so... Uh, M walks away, Bond walks away, M's got to be in her hearing to, to give account to the government. And while all this is going on, Q takes uh, 
Silva's information, they're going to track down what his grand plan was and where to get the list back. And it's at this point that everybody figures things out a little too slow outside of James Bond. This is the one part in the movie where Bond shows that he's smarter than everyone else. Uh, <laughs> matching up uh, the Grand Borough uh, to get the code to break. Unfortunately, when they break the code, they also unleash a virus that lets Silva out. He escapes, um, goes and uh, masquerades as a, uh, a police officer in the uh, subway in London. Bond gives chase. He's chasing him across London. Eventually uh, corners him in a deserted tunnel. Uh, Silva blows up a wall and a train comes in through the hole. Uh, people say, how convenient. And I go, guys, again, James Bond movie, if it wasn't convenient, this movie would be four hours long. And yeah. not all of a, all directors can be Zack Snyder. So, uh, Everyone knows that Silva is going after M at this point. M is giving her testimony. She does a really beautiful quote by Lord Tennyson. Uh, and uh, I think it's probably taken completely out of context, uh, as a great many martial quotes are. Um, and uh, the late, great Helen McCrory is just giving M what for before uh, M gives a Tennyson quote. And then apparently everyone forgets that they were talking. Um, Silva busts in, starts shooting at people. Uh, Mallory jumps in front of a bullet for him. Uh, Bond gets there just in time, uh, and they are able to ward off uh, Silva and his men. Uh, as Silva and his men retreat, Bond kidnaps him, and they flee the scene. Uh, there's a great moment, uh, and I give all credit to... Uh, the James Bonding podcast that just recently returned, uh, leading into No Time to Die, uh, for pointing out that the moment that Tanner sees the car driving off with him inside is a moment that anyone goes, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, uh, as the person you are supposed to be guarding is driven away and you have no idea who's in the driver's seat. And uh, Steve Ag is wonderful in the Skyfall episode from 2013. Um, if you have access to the James Bonding podcast through Stitcher, they're talking about moving over to a new service. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, fantastic podcast episode. Anyhow, uh, Bond tells him, hey, these cars have trackers. I'm getting you out of here. She says, enough people have died for me. And there's this really great moment. She's away from the cameras. She's away from all official word. And she finally expresses regret for all the people that have died for her. Um, understanding that everything that has happened is on, it's been her call. As the person who's in charge, it falls to her. And so she, with Bond, they go and they pick up the 1965 Aston Martin. <laughs> and I smile big like an idiot 
Uh, there are all kinds of reasons why that car shouldn't be there in this timeline. I don't care. I've watched every James Bond movie up to this point. I'm happy to see it, and I'm glad they're driving in it. And as they drive away, M makes a, a snide remark, and Bond flips up the ejector seat switch and goes, I'll do it. I will eject you. <laughs> and uh, they drive off to Scotland. And um, if I'm pretty sure that Scotland is more varied than what is shown in this movie but if that was all there was to scotland i can see why some of my ancestors fled there for america i mean it was also the middle of winter which made it look more bleak ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> scottish people uh, if you're out there write in tell us how awesome scotland is and if it's not tell us why it's not <laughs> anyhow uh they go to scotland and uh we get to they stop and they they have a quiet moment. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention, uh, Bond calls Q and says, hey, I need you to leave just enough of a breadcrumb trail that Silva will follow, but it can't be too easy or too hard. Uh, so Bond and M have a quiet moment once they get to Scotland where it's mentioned, it's never out and out expressed what Skyfall is. Skyfall is Bond's ancestral home. And so, uh, Skyfall is where Bond was when he found out that his parents died. These are facts that are given through the movie. Uh, M asked Bond, how old were you when they, when they passed? And he looks right at her and says, you know that. The movie gives just enough exposition to move us along and let you know why Bond is bothered by a place that we've never been before. This isn't a place that on screen has any background. Um, we just know, we know just enough to get us through. Uh, when we finally arrive at, at Skyfall, a rundown house in the middle of a Scottish valley, uh, we, we see that this house is in disrepair. We find out that it was auctioned off when uh, Bond died. We meet the groundskeeper, played by Albert Finney. Uh, and it's a... That was Albert Finney! Yes, Scrooge himself. Oh my goodness, I was trying to figure out who the, that was. The big fish himself, Albert yes, Finney. sorry. I did ask questions while we were watching it, and then it left me, so I did not realize that was Albert Finney, but I was trying to figure out who that was. So, Continue. So, <coughs> the word that's come through several sources is that the script went through several iterations. In one iteration, they were pursuing uh, Sean Connery to play uh, the groundskeeper. Uh and I agree with a good number of people who've given their opinion on this. I'm glad that Sean Connery stayed retired and didn't do it because it would have totally taken anyone and everyone out of the movie at that yeah. point. Uh, another rumor that has come about based on the theory that James Bond is a code name and not a birth, birth name is that Skyfall was going to be a home for retired double O agents and that Skyfall wasn't going to be his ancestral home, but it was going to be a statement that 
the idea in the... Our neighbor has decided to rev up their motorcycle right now and ride up and down the streets. <laughs> um, the, the rumor is that Skyfall would be a retirement home, and when the psych eval was given, he was going to be alluding to the fact that Bond was over the hill and it was time for him to retire. And going to this retirement home would have been him going and confronting the fact that he was mortal. Eventually he was going to either retire or die. And the idea is when they got to the retirement home that all of the still living James Bond actors would be there as retired double uh. O agents. Uh, Connery, Moore, Lazenby, Dalton would have all, uh, Brosnan would have all been there. Mm-hmm. Again, Glad they didn't go that way yeah. because it completely takes you out of the reality of the movie. Right. Um, it would have been cool. Glad they didn't do it. I like what they did with it. So, the way that the movie handles it, some people call it James Bond Home Alone. In some ways, kind of. Um, in other ways, it, it plays out for me like an old MacGyver um, in that on MacGyver first of all MacGyver never used guns so immediately James Bond is in a different field but it was all about outsmarting the the bad guys and so Bond shows up and he's talking to the groundskeeper he's like hey um, and I'm blanking on Albert Finney's character's name um, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm here with him. We've still got guns, right? Well, they all got auctioned off to a collector in Idaho or something. Um, but I kept your dad's hunting rifle. And so they basically have two, two rifles or shotguns. And then they've got like a pistol and a knife. And that's what they've got. And then some dynamite from the old quarry. <laughs> and so they set up traps throughout the house and around the house. And Silva's men come in and we get, honestly, a really fun action scene. I really enjoyed it. Um, and everyone does their part. Everyone does their thing. Bond, uh, Bond and I almost had his name and I lost it. Albert Finney. We'll just call him Albert Finney. <laughs> Because um, Albert Finney was, you know, mostly done acting, so he went and took up groundskeeping. Uh, but they fight everyone off, and uh, in the last in the last bit, uh, a couple guys get in, and M is wounded. No one knows that M is wounded, um, but M is wounded, and Bond is looking over all the bad guys, notices that none of them is Silva. And then all of a sudden they hear music coming from outside and Silva is playing the song uh, Boom Boom uh, as he flies in on uh, a gunship and just starts unloading on Skyfall. So Bond sends M and uh, the groundskeeper away and through a hidden tunnel is like, hey, get out of here. I'll take care of this. Uh, so Bond utilizes explosives in the house to take out the chopper. Uh, 
and everybody but Silva and two of his men are taken out. And so at this point, everyone's kind of on equal footing. The, at this point, the DB5 has been destroyed. Silva's chopper's been destroyed. Uh, M and, and the groundskeeper, I keep almost having his name, and it's just sitting there right on my... I, I just... Ugh, it's going to bother me now. Anyhow... Uh, I've got so many just every name but the right one <laughs> okay I'm going to pull open Wikipedia while I continue anyhow uh, as they're moving across uh, the field M is starting to show more and more signs that she's wounded uh, Bond is, is fighting for uh, yeah I would have definitely not gotten that right Kincaid. Kincaid. I kept wanting to go M. Like, mix something. It, I almost went old McDonald. Kincaid. There you go. Kincaid and M are running across the uh, the field. Well, more like hobbling uh, towards the old uh, church on the edge of property. In the meantime, Silva sees M's flashlight, or Kincaid's flashlight, is tracking them. Uh, Bond is cornered at the frozen lake, uh, gets the drop on one of the bad guys, fights the other one under the lake, uh, eventually drowning the guy and then escaping. In the meantime, Silva gets the drop on M at the church, confronts her, makes Kincaid drop his gun, uh, and basically goes up to M, sees that she's wounded, and is... He's sitting there, he's about to shoot her, and he just, it's not satisfying enough. It's not satisfying enough to just kill her. It's not satisfying enough to just put a bullet in this woman who left him to die. He has to make it hurt. And so what he does is he puts the gun in her hand puts their heads together and goes, just do it. Put both of us out of our misery. And while this is going on, Bond sneaks in behind and puts a knife in Silva's back all the way up to the hilt. And Silva stumbles a little bit and starts to fall forward and Bond looks at him as he dies and says, last rat standing. Bond sees M, but doesn't quite notice that she's injured, and she slumps over. And Bond gets to her, and as she's dying in his arms, he realizes this is it. And they talk to each other briefly, but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting way they handle the dialogue in this scene because a lesser movie would have made them monologue to each other. Like, oh, I love you so much, or I did this for you, or they kind of kind of joke with each other. And then her last words before she dies are, at least I did one thing right. Yeah. And then she dies. And I started tearing up this time. Uh, watching this movie again because Daniel Craig is 
all through the scene he has tears running down his face and it's beautifully acted um the scene fades out we fade back in uh on top of london uh bond looking out over the city the union jack in front of him uh beautifully again beautifully shot roger deakins should win all the cinematography oscars but uh eve comes up still hasn't been named money penny into the until this point gives uh bond an item from m's last will and testament uh and it's this ugly bulldog statue from her from her desk that bond had made fun of her for earlier and uh she tells Bond, hey, I'm not going back in the field. And Bond goes, well, that makes me feel safer. <laughs> um, and she goes, what about you? And he goes, no, I'm, I'm still in the field. And they go back downstairs. She takes her desk. He goes, I don't know that we've ever formally be, been introduced. And that's when we find out that she is Eve Moneypenny. Yep. Um, which is a great reveal. And she's fantastic in the role. I love that Money Penny is the last name. Yes. Not just my name is Money Penny. Yes. And uh, then Bond goes inside to his superior, and uh, Mallory has taken over and is the new M. And the movie ends like a lot of James Bond movies start Bond being given a mission, and then the gun barrel sequence. Yes. And. I love this movie. This, I'm going to rank the Bond movies once we get through No Time to Die, but I really love this movie. Um, it has all the fun, all the grounded, all the, all the work. It's, the cinematography is near perfect. It's just is really really good if i were going to tell someone who had never seen a james bond movie before to watch one i would say watch casino royale if i were going to tell them to watch another one i would say watch skyfall yeah. um both are really 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 good movies just movies yeah uh and amazing james bond movies but I really, really enjoyed this. Um, Thomas Newman did a really good job with the score. Um, there's, um, it's not quite as brassy as David Arnold was uh, with his scores from Tomorrow Never Dies through um, Quantum of Solace, but it carried it really well. And then Skyfall is kind of, the, the song is kind of layered throughout uh, the movie uh, in, instrumentally. And I just, I really love this movie. Uh, next next week with Spectre, I'm looking forward to it just because I really enjoy Spectre. Um, again, the same as Quantum of Solace is, is nowhere near as good a movie as Casino Royale. Spectre is nowhere near as good a movie as, as Skyfall. But it is thoroughly enjoyable. If you're expecting the level of Skyfall, you're not going to get it. I'm going to tell you right now, go ahead and let you down easy. It's nowhere near as good. But the performances are still great. The action is still pretty good. The 
the music is still good. Um, you can tell that it's hard for Daniel Craig watching the movie. Again, we'll talk more about this next week. But it's it's the movie that leads us into No Time to Die. And so, if nothing else, it's important. Yeah. So, we will go over that next week. And then we'll be back, hopefully, the following week with our, our discussion of No Time to Die. Yeah. So... It's been a long time coming. We've enjoyed talking through these Bond movies with you. Just got a couple left. After that, uh, we'll be figuring out what we'll be doing next. But thanks for coming with us. Thanks for sticking by. If you have had a gap in your listening and you're still listening to us, God bless you. Um, go listen to a better podcast after this. Uh, it'll it'll probably sound better to you. But. Thanks for sticking with us. We will be back next week with Spectre. Talk to you later. Bye. This way.